Hello, Freedom Fighters. My name is Stacey from Positive Property. We have Henry and Dan with us tonight. If you're watching us live, type in hashtag live. If you're watching the replay, type in replay. Welcome, Dan and Henry. Now, G'day, Dan and how are Henry, Stacey? Hey, Henry. If you'd like to introduce yourself, you're physically part of our circle of safety and working with our members one-on-one -on -one with their conveyancing. So we're getting a few lives come through, so everybody is ready and live. So let's get started. So tonight we're talking about the 10 things you need for the best property conveyances. Um, yep. Now, I did have a few dot points, but if you guys wanted to introduce yourself and get started, that would be fantastic. Absolutely. So probably what we'll do tonight is because we've got the, the public event and we've got the private event after this with a bit more detail, a bit more information. So what we're thinking about doing is starting with a bit of a general thing. We'll go into a bit more detail um, in the, the private section where we've got a little bit more time. So just to give us a, a general overview of who we are and what we do. Um, my name's Henry Lloyd Davis um, and I'm a tax lawyer. Uh, I'm based in Adelaide here. Um, and we, I'm the principal of Australia Conveyancing. So Australia Conveyancing was set up so that we could offer a national service for conveyancing rather than having to go to a different conveyancer in every single state. And that's probably our main point of difference. We also, uh, a lot of conveyancers aren't lawyers. And so uh, I'm a specialist tax lawyer and I, I have an, my own operating firm as well. And I really wanted to see a, a higher level of service to uh, be involved in conveyancing uh, as well. Dan's on our team here at Australia Conveyancing. Um, he's uh, one of our uh, lead conveyancers, and we'll probably be speaking with Dan or Matt in one of your files if you choose to do your conveyancing with us. So what I might do is, um, that's a bit about Australia Conveyancing. We'll go into a bit more detail shortly, but I thought I might give you a bit of a background about me and kind of uh, my story as well and, and how I came to be here. So... I grew up in Canberra. I went to a full immersion French school where the teachers were incredibly difficult um, and a couple of them had to get deported because they were so outrageous, uh, particularly students. So I, I grew up in, a, in a, an environment that absolutely necessitated grit. Um, and because I was an Australian kid in a French school, they actually tried to get me out. So I learned a lot of ways. Uh, I learned a lot about rules and processes in that period of time. And I also- Are you French? Yeah, I am. Je parle français. Je suis uh, 33 ans. J'ai étudié au lycée franco-australien de Canberra. And I can also say... Awesome. Keep going. And so if you need to learn a French phrase, I would absolutely recommend you learn the phrase Le cacahuète est dans uh, l'ombril de l'ornithorin. Henry, means, Henry, what is, what is positive property in French? Yeah. <laughs> um, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Positive uh, property, uh, it's uh, a property on which is positive. Um, so, you know, and so the phrase I was saying means the peanut is in the belly button of the platypus. So happy to uh, take some time out of my day to teach you how to do that. Um, but when I was 18, I joined the Air Force and I was a radar operator and I was on the APC-3 Orion aircraft as an electronic warfare operator as well. And we did sonar. So I used to hunt submarines for the Air Force. I got airsick. Uh, and so decided to become a tax lawyer instead, which was obviously the next choice. I wanted to make sure. They just follow on job, together. Same, same, right? Yeah, yeah. I wanted to use all the skills I'd learned in the Air Force, hunting submarines to then apply that. Um, so tax law was obviously, uh, you can guess why I did that. 
Um, and I've uh, about two years ago, I set up my own tax law firm. I'm also building um, as the vice well, president, the chairman of a property trust here in Adelaide, which is building our first skyscraper. So it'll be a 183 meter tall tower um, with a public viewing platform, a 240 key hotel and a MOSA. Hopefully the government will come on board with that project, which would be Adelaide Museum of South Australian History. Um, and that would incorporate a, a history museum into Adelaide. Um, if you Google me, you'll also find that I'm currently fighting with the Lord Mayor of Adelaide on a couple of different points. Um, but I assure you we're all good friends uh, and I'm on Adelaide City Council as well. Um, so, and, and after starting my law firm, so I did that for, you know, as a practicing solicitor in some other law firms. Um, and I really wanted to go out on my own um, to give a, you know, a much fuller experience for my clients. I've got a team in my law firm, about five. And I, and I really saw, um, so my clients were property developers and accountants primarily. That's who I, I was primarily working for. I didn't often work with investors um, in, into the property market because they simply just couldn't afford the structuring advice that would come with these types of uh, investments. So being a tax lawyer, I was always involved in property, particularly from the development side of things. Uh, and I actually got to know um, George here in Adelaide. He's quite a very, he's a very prominent figure here in Adelaide. Um, and we, we had a chat about, you know, some of the things that were really missing in, in property in this space as well and how I could potentially do more to uh, uh, improve, I suppose, and use some of my expert tax advice uh, in a more general sense and open that up to uh, a wider class. So what we're looking at, like my preferred client is investors looking to invest in multiple states and, and have multiple um, properties. And that's what Australia Conveyancing that's really us. is in. That's yeah. us. That's the members. And Daniel, what about yourself? So what do you do in the, in the business? So I guess uh, my, my background, I'm not as multi-dimensional as Henry. However, there are some distinct similarities. Uh, I went to a German school. It wasn't a French school when I was younger. Mm. So I, my lineage is uh, rooted within the Barossa Valley. Uh, in Are you going to give us a sentence now? <laughs> <laughs> no. <You're a> <laughs> no. No. Nine. You I think nine. That many, many years ago. Um, that said, um, th there was a story where um, it, about 15 years ago, I was holidaying in Europe and I was in a covered market in Poland and I was trying to negotiate and barter over what he was selling, which was uh, knockoff perfumes. And I found myself being able to speak quite fluently uh, in German wow. with him to get the discount. Yeah. And it was through no recollection. It just actually magically happened. So um, learning a language is a very fundamental rooted in your DNA kind of thing to pick up, I find. So if there's anyone out there um, who speaks multiple languages or is aspiring to, highly recommend it. It's a skill that like a bicycle, once you get back on, you'll you'll pick it up without even trying. Perfect. But the other um, the other interesting um, coincidence with Henry is I'm also from the Air Force as well. So oh. um, they well, maybe that that like, is a roll on career then. Absolutely, um, and in fact, we were based at the same ba uh, place at the same time, but just never ran into each other. So ah. whilst Henry was at two nine two and and learning to fly in the Orions, I was over at ninety two wing headquarters working in operations. So we were probably what Henry 300, 350 meters apart at any one time. And <laughs> I mean, I was in the sergeant spaces, so <laughs> I I was in the fancy schmancy silver dining area. Oh, um, okay, well, <laughs> you're a bit poshier. Huh? <laughs> All right, well, let's get to it. We're going to go through uh, a few things that obviously people are wanting to know in terms of conveyancing. Anyone can 
feel free to put your um, questions in the sidebar or in the chat. But what do conveyances do? Just so give us that in a short, hey, what do, what do you do? The most important thing we do is sort of concierge the, the purchases of the vendor's experience from the point where they decide to commit and they, um, they are contractually uh, obliged to, to purchase or sell and just holding their hands and making sure that we're shepherding the transaction through to successful settlement. That's really the area that we play in. So whilst um, whilst there are, are many people that are involved in the, the property purchasing process, um, often the conveyancer is the one that gets involved in the highest risk part of the process right at the end. Um, it's more than just a simple administrative or clerical role is often an advisory role and you have to be very careful and we'll get onto this at, at some stage tonight as well is you need to be very precise and particular about what type of conveyancer you're selecting and then come to the decision with a criteria in mind. Um, you want someone and something that's holistic, that's experienced, but is also multi-dimensional and then is able to provide a safety net for the transaction in the event that something does and can go wrong. You do put a lot of trust in them. I know that um, a lot of people do not read the fine print that they probably should. And so they're expecting that, hey, you're going to do your job to the, the best of your ability and, and cover us, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure we're okay. Yeah. And, and more often than not, um, it's difficult to find a proactive conveyancer. And that's generally, it's no fault of their own. It might be, um, it might be the fact that they are new. To, to the role. Um, it might be that they're very busy. It might be that they're focused on uh, other aspects of their business and don't have a client-centric view of things. Um, it's probably the most exciting and motivating part of working uh, in Australia conveyancing is that we focus on a small number of high-yield customers and, and communities, communities like Positive Property, where we can actually build a very close rapport and be very proactive in what we do and offer to the clients that is above and beyond what a typical conveyancer would do for, for a purchaser. Absolutely. So how much does a conveyancer cost? The big question. They're going to vary a lot in price, I'm guessing, depending yeah. on what conveyancer you pick and what they do. So I think probably that's a, a good question for me to take. Um, so... The you might have seen, and I'll probably give you the example with wills, right? Wills and estates. So you can go to the post office and you get a, a $5 will kit. Um, and that will cost you $5 and you can have your will sorted and peace of mind all sorted out. The lawyers love will kits. They really, really encourage you to fill them out because the cost of administering your estate at the end of that is absolutely outrageous because generally the way that it's drafted doesn't success it doesn't successfully leave the property where it's supposed to go it's often litigated and it becomes extremely expensive and that's where lawyers really make all their money which is when they do your probate so your probate is that kind of second thing right so you can get a will kit for example for five dollars um you can also you'll also see this race to the bottom with a lot of firms um they'll be offering you with a fixed fee will for say two hundred dollars for example now i know to actually do a will properly costs you a minimum $1,500, even to $2,000 or more to actually figure out what's supposed to happen. Now, we've kind of seen this race as well to the bottom in conveyancing. And I've seen um, a lot of the times, um, they'll, I've seen ad advertisements out there for $800 and I'm like, Jesus, that's, that's well below 
what we offer and that's what we charge. So the the thing is that a lot of those costs aren't factored in. And sometimes whilst the job might technically get done, like if you buy a wool kit, you will have a will at the end of it. Uh, does it stand up? Does it prevent you from anything going wrong? Well, not so much. So at Australia Conveyancing, what we make sure and different transactions cost different amounts in terms of, say, if you're putting a caveat or a mortgage or a standard conveyance, um, we charge depending on your complexity uh, and what's going uh, on the back of it. So you probably expect a conveyance, um, depending on the state as well as variables as well. So uh, Queensland, for example, you should add another two, three thousand dollars to a basic charge just because of the way that they do it. And only lawyers do conveyances in Queensland. So typical conveyancer will cost. Um, I've seen it online for as low as eight hundred bucks. That's your bargain basement um, uh, bottom of you know the cheapest thing you can get, and it could go up to two thousand five hundred um, depending on the complexity of your file. Um, and we've, we normally charge uh, in that range somewhere, but really depending on um, what's involved. So is it subject to finance? Is it unconditional? We make sure that we go through your contracts and your building contracts, uh, and we actually provide you advice on that and take over negotiation as well. So we look at your file and we give you a price based on what it is. But, you know, bargain basement, 800 bucks. Want it done like premium, premium service, probably about 2500 You kind of get what you pay for, right? It's the same with everything in life. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah. You can you can get it cheap for sure uh, or you can get it done, you know, you can spend a little bit more and uh, potentially yeah. save a lot on the other end. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, I still have another question pop up here. Uh, yeah. Are you liable? So in terms of liability, to be accredited as a conveyancer or to practice as a solicitor, you need to uh, be licensed to do so. So carry a, a conveyancing certificate if you are a conveyancer or have your practicing certificate if you're a lawyer. To obtain those two things, uh, you must carry what's called the, the, um, the scheme insurance, so the PI scheme for that particular insurance. So for, um, for a law firm incorporated in a particular state, they'll have a scheme. And to be a part of that scheme, you have to sign up for it up front um, and then you get given your practicing certificate um, amongst other things. So you're not able to practice unless you are appropriately covered under PI. From a conveyancing point of view, they also have an industry scheme, which is negotiated and run by the state associations. So anyone who you engage, I guess the big question is, can I see evidence of your ability to practice? Tick. If that is the case and they do have a license, then CBS or whoever governs that on a state by state level, or if it's the society, they would have ensured that you're signed up under the PI scheme for that particular state. So I guess the big question there is if you do go and try and search for your own conveyancer, that does come with risk because you're unsure. If you go with Australia Conveyancing, you're guaranteed because it has access to its own PI insurance through the Law Society of South Australia, uh, but then also leverages some uh, professional services um, from a company that also has a, holds a conveyancing licence here as well. How do you find a conveyancer? Do you Google? You could Google. Um, yeah. <laughs> honestly, I've been involved in and around the industry for some time. Um, I, I honestly believe that the best way to find a conveyancer is it will find you. 
Um, depending on your particular circumstance, it will either come heavily recommended by word of mouth for someone that has used the service before, uh, or if you're using something like a positive property, something that maintains its own circle of safety yeah. um, with a, um, an, an inner group of people that work collaboratively together and creates transparency and holds, holds each other accountable for the outcome of the customer, that's the service that you go with. And will you be there on settlement day? Yes. Ah, yeah. Well, yeah. It's it's a bit of history, I suppose. It used to be. Yeah. Um, there's a guy called. Um, we have a suburb. Hang on, you yeah. did this last time. This is sick. This is sick. <laughs> I was here. You weren't here last time. It's a. It's a. I'm a real stickler for history. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Go with it. <laughs> long story short, is um, they used to do it by paper. You used to have to mm -hmm. go into the the land titles office. Um, uh, before that, like, so you, before Torrens came about, this Torrens title system actually originated here in South Australia. Um, and he came up with the idea of saying, well, you know, you actually used to have a piece of paper that said, um, you know, I own this property. And if you had that piece of paper, it was yours. If you didn't have that piece of paper, you didn't own the property. So if you got mugged, you suddenly lost all of your uh, you lost your entire property. So the way that it used to work was then you have a land title. So the land title officers kept records of who owned what um, everywhere. I actually had a case where there was a bit of land that actually wasn't converted into the, the new Torrens title system. And we basically had to claim that we were squatting. And there was a legitimate client. They ran a business and it was a printing business. And they had to claim squatters' rights over this property and say, we've excluded the rest of the public uh, that they said that we kicked everybody off our land and, and we owned it, right? That was that was really interesting. You don't do that anymore. So it used to be the case where you would go down to the land title registry with a piece of paper, you'd sign the documents across and then we'll update the records. Now we have this amazing thing called PEXA. And PEXA is something that Dan is quite the expert in. Uh, and he, in fact, um, uh, really contributed to its construction. So, um, and Daniel, what is, what is, what is PEXA? Uh, so PEXA is, well, it's been around since about 2010, uh, Property Exchange Australia. It's effectively um, digitised the property settlement process. So as Henry was saying, you used to lean on parchments and bank checks. Now everything is done online. Um, true, I was part of PEXA. In fact, I was a senior manager in their customer team for six years between 2016 and 2022. Uh, before leaving uh, to work back in the industry as a customer of PEXA. Um, PEXA is quite a revolutionary transformation, uh, probably the most transformative thing to happen within conveyancing or even property law since about 1855 with the implementation of the Torrance titling system. Um, it's the only system in the world that can do what it does, which is lodgement of financial document, documents and full financial settlement. Um, now across the country, I think it's about 85% of all transactions are now facilitated through the platform. Um, the team that work for Henry, uh, we all have a rich experience as being part of that customer team. So we've been in the trenches, we've done the transformation from 0% through to here in South Australia, which I think is 99.8% of all documents lodged at the registry are done in PEXA. So fascinating piece of kit. Design? wonderful transformation and yeah everything is facilitated now through through the digital platform pexa including something that you should be looking for in your conveyance i know we're going to get to the tenant things you need to look for 
one of those things is making sure that you're, they're cyber aware and using the right technology to facilitate and improve the process and make it more safe. And part of that is definitely settling in PEXA. And then also aside from that is the utilization of something called PEXA key, which is the only thing that we use to communicate account details with the customer. With. And can you check your own, can you check on your own titles through PEXA? No, unfortunately, Joe Public um, uh, is not able to. Um, you could go direct to the land registry in each of your states and call up copies of your duplicate titles to, or title searches to see that you're registered. But uh, because of very intentional design, PEXA is only accessible by banks, lawyers and conveyances. Yeah, it's okay. very tight. It's so people can access PEXA. But for example, every state titling office will have a website that you can go on, check your, check your title, make sure there's no caveats on there, for example. Uh, maybe your ex-girlfriend's caveated your house uh, for some reason. So um, something uh, we also deal with on a regular basis. <laughs> Is, okay, we've got one more question and then we'd better run off to the members members one. So is PEXA just a financial instrument? No, so it, it does handle the financial settlement. So it does disperse everything at settlement rather than checks. It will send it via RTT uh, or make payments for utilities via BPAY. Um, but it, in the main, it's, it's a networking tool. So it connects and integrates with every land registry, um, stamp duties office, uh, over 12,000 lawyers and conveyances across the country and 152 financial institutions. What it also does through that integration is allows for you to make lodgement of documents at the LTO. So it's an all-in-one settlement platform. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Henry and Thank Dan. you, Stacey, and thank you to the audience. Thank you to, to all our freedom fighters out there and thanks for being part of this. We love the little comments coming in. It really helps us when we get a bit of interaction. So if there's any other questions for the members, go along to the SHERP. That's happening right now. So we're going to go out of this one and straight into that one. So I'm going to leave you guys too. Let's jump into the SHERP. Let's do Thank it. Thank you, everyone.